one of the most famous and fun games of all history for children is called hide and seek. In this game, someone is appointed as it. Don't know where we came up with that as it, but that's what it is. So it covers his or her face and um, begins to count, usually to like a hundred, but if you're small enough, maybe ten. Uh, but they usually will just say a hundred for, for safety's sake. So it begins to count, and all the other children run all over the place. And my growing up, it was in the house because my parents live on about 18 acres, and um, you could probably hide really, really good somewhere in 18 acres if you had the whole run of the place. So it was usually in the house. And so when it gets to 100, what do they say? Ready or not, here I come. Now this is its notification of all the other children that they better be in their spot, well hidden, quiet, and still so that they're not found. And we do that, they do that in hopes of being the last one to be found. In today's world, we seem to constantly be asked if we're ready to do something, ready to go, ready to walk, ready to eat, ready to do this, ready to do that. And it seems like the list is never ending, are we ready? And I'll promise you, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard these five words yet, you're going to hear them a lot in the next week or two. Are you ready for Christmas? Really? Yes. Let's imagine, just for a moment, that you decide one year you're not going to buy any gifts for your family. You're going to give them gift cards. Great gesture. But you don't want to just give them a gift card. You want to get a really personalized, special Christmas card to put it in and mail it to them and write special notes to each individual person. And so you go shopping for like a half a day and go to three or four different stores to find just the right Christmas card. You get the gift cards. Everything's perfect. You get home. You say, I'm going to go on and get this done. So I sit down. I write all my special notes to each individual family member, sign every one of them the same way. Remember that. Sign every one of them the same way. Label them, stamp them, put them in the mail. Yes, Christmas is done. Only two days later do you look at that table and realize that a piece of paper was covering up your gift cards and you forgot to put the gift cards in the Christmas cards. Imagine your family's surprise when they get home to read the final words on every card by your own presence. They're taking a little time for that coffee to kick in this morning. <laughs> by your own presence. You know, the reality is sometimes we need to take just a little bit more time to prepare. Because simply being ready is often not enough. This time of year is called Advent. The Latin word that is used for Advent is, called, is uh, interpreted or translated coming. Advent is a time of preparation. It's a time of preparing for the Christ child to celebrate the Christ child and his coming. And in anticipation of the celebration of Jesus' second coming at some point in the future. So this celebration, this preparation is not something that we should take lightly. It's important. And we really need to take the time to prepare for it. So this morning, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about what we can do to really prepare for Christmas, to really prepare 
for uh, Jesus in the celebration of Christ. Now, for most of us, when we hear the words, are you ready for Christmas? What we're being asked is, have you picked out your tree? Have you gotten your tree out of the attic? Have you, um, have you put all the decorations on your tree? Have you put all your trinkets out in the house? Have you wrapped your house in Christmas lights? Have you bought your gifts? Have you made your travel plans? Have you planned your, have you done all of those things? And what we're really asking when we say, are you ready for Christmas is, are you finished with the busyness of Christmas? Now, while these things are all things that we need to do to get ready for a traditional Christmas, I'm not quite sure that, the most, that they are the most important things to prepare for Christmas and for its celebration. And so this morning, we're going to look at uh, a scripture in Isaiah. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be reading verses 3 through 5. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. And if you will stand as we give honor to the reading of God's Word. Just as I did earlier, I left my glasses at home. So please, God, help my eyes work. Because I don't see very well without them when I'm reading. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5 says, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Isaiah is giving us here a prophecy telling us about the one that is coming, the Lord's messenger who's coming to announce the coming of the Christ child. In Matthew 3, 1 through 5, John the Baptist actually mentions these words as he was preaching about the coming of Jesus. In Matthew 3, 1 through 3, he says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of God has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Prepare for the coming of Jesus. In our context today, prepare for Christmas. So how do we do that? In the New Living Translation, when you read these verses in Isaiah, there is a word in there that is a little bit different. Uh, verse three in the New Living Translation of these verses says, listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Now, though I don't personally prefer the New Living Translation of the Bible, I really like this one word. Listen, because in order to really hear a message, we have to listen. So the first thing that Isaiah tells us to do is listen. Years ago, probably many years ago, there was a commercial on TV. And it was a large room of people that were gathered and they were they were talking and eating, and it was just lots of noise, you know, this ambient noise filling the room. And you, you're watching that, and you're trying to pick up on what people are saying, and finally the camera kind of fades over to one corner where two men are, are talking. They're talking about their brokers. And one of them says, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and about that fast, everybody in the room said, and they froze. Even some folks are doing this right here. Leaning in real tight. Everything went quiet so they could hear what E.F. Hutton had to say. They weren't listening to this guy. They wanted to hear what E.F. Hutton had to say. In this commercial, 
It gives us a perfect example of the difference between listening and hearing. And there is absolutely a difference. The truth is we can hear lots of things, lots and lots of things all at once. But we can really only listen, truly listen to one thing at a time. I believe that when the word is listen, listen is used in the New Living Translation of, of Isaiah, it means not only to hear what is being said, but it means to ponder on it, to take it to heart, to consider it deeply, because what is about to be said is very, very important, maybe even life-changing important. And in these verses, what's about to be said? Jesus is coming. That's a pretty important thing to hear. The Savior of the world is on his way. And Isaiah says, listen, listen for this. But you know, it's very hard for us to listen today because just like all those people in that commercial, we're too busy with our own preferences, our own desires. We're too busy focusing on getting our own way. And our priority is making sure that, that what we say is everybody's having the opportunity to maybe hear it, but it's really more important that we just say it. And we're too busy making our own plans and wanting our own ways. And in that type of environment, all we really hear is noise and chaos and rush and hustle and bustle of a busy, busy world all around us. We hear all that so loudly, in fact, that we, it's almost impossible to hear the most important thing. So what do we need to do? Well, we have to listen, but to listen, we have to slow down. We must slow down. In fact, I would go so far as to say we really just need to be still. Just stop and be still. Psalm 46, 10, 10 says to be still and know that I am God. That, that means be still. Stop. Now, does it mean we just sit around and do nothing all day? No. But we need to find ways to quiet and still our spirits so that we can hear what God has to say. I will say sometimes it does mean physically just sit and don't move. Just open your ears. Um, and what are we being still for? What are we? We're being still so that we can, we can hear and understand more clearly what we are celebrating. Because we're not celebrating the food and the festivities and the families. And we're not celebrating the gifts and the garland and the glitter. We're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior our King, our Lord, our Redeemer, our Deliverer. We're celebrating God coming to earth in human form. That's what Christmas is all about. So I want to encourage you this morning, slow down. Be completely still if you need to. And really, really listen. Let the sights and the sounds of Christmas help you prepare your hearts for the birthday of the Savior. But most importantly, more importantly and most importantly, be still and listen to what God has to say to you this Christmas season because he may have something to say to you this year that he's never, ever said to you before. And if we get lost in the busyness and the chaos, we miss it. And we don't want to miss it. So first, we have to listen. Secondly, we have to get rid of all the things that are in the way. All the things that keep us from preparing for celebration of Jesus. Look at verses 3 and 4 again in Isaiah chapter 40. Halfway through verse 3, 
it says, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be level. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. As you're driving around this area here in Birmingham, I don't know if you've ever noticed it. I guess I really didn't think about it until just this week. There aren't any tunnels when you, when you drive down the interstate, they don't typically like go up over the top of the mountain. Usually the mountain has like been removed. And I wondered, why didn't they build tunnels? Seems like it'd be easier just drill a little hole and go through and you don't have to move so much. Did you know it costs about twice as much to put a tunnel in a mountain as it does to just blow it up and move it out of the way? <laughs> That's why they did that. But it's important. These verses are talking about the barriers that keep us from preparing properly. God doesn't want us to try to bore a hole through our mountains to try to get to where he is. He wants them flattened so the way is flat and smooth and straight. Much easier just to blow it up and move it out of the way than try to dig through it. Well, what are these barriers in our lives that we have that keep us from getting there? Well, this time of year, um, let's see, worrying about the gifts, what I'm going to get who, is it going to be what they want, is it going to be enough, is it going to be too much, um, wondering if everybody's going to like their gift, worried about the menu for Christmas, um, competing with your neighbors to get the prettiest decorations in your neighborhood, I don't know, you name it, you know what your barriers are far better than, I know what mine are, <laughs> you know. But there are lots and lots of barriers, mountains in our path that keep us from that smooth, flat uh, path to Christ and to celebrating. Though these things uh, are all traditions of getting the gifts and doing the food and making the travels and all that, they're, they're, they are traditions. They're not bad within themselves. Please don't leave here thinking Don said, well, all this stuff about Christmas is bad because I didn't say that. It's good. But it's not usually what's most important about Christmas. However, I venture to guess we probably spend more time on those things than what really is most important. And those things that are barriers really do become mountains that keep us from getting to our destination. That destination being prepared for the more important things. Prepared to truly worship the Christ child. In Luke chapter 10, there's actually a little story that goes along and helps us kind of see this. Mary, I mean, Jesus and the disciples are going through Bethany, and they've stopped at the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. You know this story. And there's a big meal, probably like the thing you had at Thanksgiving, and Martha's in the kitchen just wearing herself out, trying to get everything done. She's basting the, the, the turkey and chopping up the cornbread to make the dressing and smashing the cranberries, and she's doing all that stuff just to try to get everything ready to go for the meal. Well, at some point, she gets really, really frustrated, and you know what she does? She fusses at Jesus, and I find that very interesting, but that's a story for another day. Let's look at this just real briefly, Luke chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. Luke 10, 40 to 42 says, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, this second question is my favorite one. So tell her to give me a hand. Ooh, she didn't just fuss. She started bossing Jesus. I thought that was real interesting. Lord, he's awesome. He answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus told Martha to stop worrying about the things that are really not all that important. He didn't say she'd made a bad choice necessarily, at least it's not read that way. But we are very much like Martha, and our choices uh, keep us very busy. And it's not that busyness is bad, it just keeps us distracted. We need to be more like Mary who made the better choice to be in the presence of Christ, to hear what Jesus had to say, to let that be the total focus of the moment. I'm not even worried about what I'm going to eat. I want to experience the presence of my Savior. And Mary had made the better choice. There's an old hymn. I tell you what, let me, let me back up and tell you this. Our choices create our mountains. But we can also make choices that cut through our mountains. Yes, there are things that need to be done at Christmas. Yes, there may be some obstacles, usually are. But I want to encourage you today, don't let them become the solid stone walls, the high peaked mountains that keep you from focusing and spending the time on what's most important. Don't spend your time on things that keep you from truly preparing for the celebration of the Christ child. Just clear it all away, and you can. All these things, all these barriers, just, they make Christmas harder, is what they do. And I'm, I don't know about you, I don't really like hard Christmas. It seems like the older I get, the less and less I do of traditional Christmas stuff, just because it's just so time-consuming. You know, my, in my family, when we're together, we don't really worry about gifts. If we can have some nice food and just spend some time with each other and sing happy birthday to Jesus, which I've done for like 57 years now at my parents' house, I mean, that's just what we do. And that's, that's good for me. That's all just to focus on my family and my faith in Christ. Now, the good news that we see is that if we, if we take time to listen and we take time to get rid of the barriers that get in our way, verse 5 in Isaiah tells us what's going to happen. It's kind of cool. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So when we have listened, really listened, not just heard, but listened, and when we have cleared the obstacles of our preparation, the glory of the Lord shows up. What does this mean? I think what it means is that we've gotten ourselves so focused on God, He just pours His presence out that our attitudes and our actions just totally change. Everything about us just changes. And the second part of that is that once we change, we are then able to to show Christ to the world. Now, I love all these Christmas decorations. I really do. I think Christmas is beautiful. I like the greens and the reds and the lights and all that. But I will tell you, my favorite part of all of Christmas decorations is the lights. And it's not because 
um, of all the different colors. It's not because of all the fancy designs. I tell you, Diane and I were walking yesterday in our neighborhood and we kind of got tickled. There's a commercial on TV right now and I don't even know really what it's about, but it's talking about what kind of Christmas you can do or how you can do Christmas. And one dad is walking through with this long ring thing to put on the tree and he said it's done for them and he's talking about the children. Well, in our neighborhood, we're walking yesterday afternoon and on the back side of our street, there's a house and there's all kind of stuff in it. And like every time we go out, there's more in it. And it's a young family with two small children, uh, real nice. They're always very friendly and talk and they've got decorations everywhere. But it's like cut out wood. It's like Tonka trucks and tractors. And it looks, it looks like a construction company with Christmas lights hung all over. It's what it looks like. It's absolutely hysterical. And I looked at Darren and I said, well, they did it for them. I'm talking about mom and dad just did it for the kids because that's what the kids wanted. And the kids were out playing in the yard. And we thought, oh, we like your decorations. It was just kind of funny. I've never seen one quite like that in all my life. Um, but our attitudes and our actions are changed. And when Christ gets in us, it, it shows us how we can be. And if we, if we will take the time to listen and, and break those barriers down, uh, we can be changed. And just like those lights, you know, those lights, Jesus said in the scripture, he said, I am the light of the world. And then over in Matthew, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, he didn't say you're supposed to be. So please don't ever go out and say, Jesus said, we're supposed to be salt and life. He didn't say supposed to anywhere. He said, you are. And what he meant is, is you are light or you are salt in every environment you come into. You might be a little bit or a lot, but you absolutely, as a Christ follower, are light and salt in every environment you get in. But I like the lights because they remind us of Jesus being the light of the world. We are to be the light of the world. And we can impact the world through that light. There's an old, old hymn that I grew up singing since, goodness gracious, I, I can, I don't remember. It goes like this. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. I've been singing that song since I was, maybe since I was in my mama's belly. I don't know, but I've known it my whole life. When we listen to the sounds of Christmas and we really, really listen to what God is saying to us as we prepare and as we celebrate and we get rid of all those things that are obstacles, we can become the Christmas lights to the world. We, Jesus can shine through us, his light through us so that we are light to a lost and dying world. And it's important that we do that. Two weeks before Christmas, Two little girls were walking home. It was a very cold day, ice everywhere. They were all bundled up. They walked by a particular house that they'd walk by every day. And a man named Harry was out in the yard pulling weeds from around a big oak tree in the yard. And the girls asked him, Harry, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, this was my mother's favorite place, this yard. 
And so every Christmas, I come out and I clean it up. I get all the weeds out of the way and trim it and just make it look really, really nice just for her. She was all I had, and she died a few years ago, and I miss her. So I do this at Christmas for her. Well, the girls noticed that he had kind of a tattered jacket and some gloves that, you know, only came up to about right here, and his fingers were standing. They were turning blue because it was cold. And, and so they took notice of that, but it wasn't too long before they were on their hands and knees helping Harry to clean up the yard. They, in fact, spent the rest of the day uh, just getting things done. When the day was over, they got ready to leave. Harry gave each one of them a quarter. And uh, he said, I wish I could pay you more. I really appreciate what you did to help me, but that's really all I have. So the girls left and went on their way. And one of the two girls, maybe she was overwhelmed with guilt. Maybe it was just the Holy Spirit talking to her. She called her friend the next day and said, we need to start Harry's Christmas gift account. So get a jar and let's start saving money. We're going to get him some new gloves. So they, over the next week and a half, uh, did little odd jobs and everything they could do to collect money, pennies, dimes, quarters, didn't matter. They put it in their jars. Christmas Eve came around. They found themselves standing on Harry's door singing Christmas carols. Well, Harry came to the door and they gave him a gift, a wrapped gift. Now, Harry didn't have decorations everywhere and a Christmas tree and didn't look anything like that. There wasn't really much of any sign of Christmas at all. These little girls thought they could do something about it. So they gave Harry his gift and gave him a little present. Had a Christmas card. Didn't have a gift card in it. Just a Christmas card. <laughs> and a warm pumpkin pie that had come right out the oven. Well, Harry took all the gifts. He opened the present, saw the gloves, and just put them to his face and wept. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about our Savior. And our Savior's main concern was people. Now, these two little girls, they listened with their heart. And the reality is they overcame mountains to do something, to show a, a man what Christmas was all about. They overcame mountains to demonstrate the Savior and to shine his light into a dark world. So my question today for you is, are you ready for Christmas? Maybe there's a better question. Are you prepared for Christmas? Now I want to tell you, the greatest thing any of us could or have ever done to prepare for Christmas is ask Jesus to be our Savior. It's very hard to prepare for someone you don't know. And so today, if you're here, if you're on the live stream and you don't know Christ, it's really a very easy uh, equation. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says the wages of that sin is death, spiritual and physical. But the good news is that the gift of God is Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is easy. We want to make it hard. 
It's not. So today, if you don't know him, I invite you to, to know him. Just admit you're a sinner. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to forgive you and be your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says when you do that, it's done. Jesus takes over. If you already know Christ, be encouraged today. It's important to prepare properly because you never know what Christ has to say and do in your life and in my life this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for today. We are here on purpose and for a purpose. I don't know what that is for everyone here. But Lord, we are entering one of the most holy times of the whole year. And you know so well, far too well, the world we've been dealing with for the last eight months, nine months. And you know the difficulties that it's caused. And God, I would, I would doubt very seriously that we could all stand and say it hasn't gotten us distracted. Because Satan uses times like this to distract us from what's most important. So today, clear our hearts, clear our minds, and let us begin to prepare for you in a way like maybe we never have before so that this Christmas, your light shines farther and brighter than ever before through us. Bless this time of invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.